I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and as always, Matt is next to me. Yes, he is. Hello. But also, we have a third person in the studio with us. Yes, we have a very, very special guest. One of our superstar clients who is undertaking an amazing, awesome, spectacular, epic, I'm running out of superlatives, but life-changing transformation. Alison, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. So Alison has been working with us now for uh, just a little bit over 12 months. So I believe we are due for wine and flowers. That's the anniversary present, yeah? Is that due for us to give Alison? Wine and flowers? I think so. Yeah, yes. I do think so. So Alison um, has achieved quite a lot already. She has, what is it, 85 kilos? Yeah. Okay. So 85 kilos down uh, in the first 12 months. Now, look, I fully realize how much of a hypocrite I sound like right now, where Courtney and I speak all the time about don't worry about the scales, don't weigh yourself, blah, 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 blah. And here we are saying, fantastic 85 kilo weight loss. But here's the thing. We only know it's 85 kilos because Alison has told us we have not weighed her. Have we? No. Nope, not at all. So what we always know is that if people are addressing their habits and addressing what they do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, the scales will take care of themselves. So... Anyway, moving right along, Alison, once again, welcome. We are really, really, really ecstatic to have you uh, on the show. So I'm going to kick things off, Alison, with a question. Well, really more of an overview here. Can you give us a bit of a background on your weight loss, weight gain history before you met Courtney and myself? Um, I've always been pretty overweight um, from the age of about 15 or 16. Um, I... You know, tried the odd diet and, you know, exercise. And the only other time that I've tried it consistently was a three-month period where it was a competition and I did a Biggest Loser competition and lost 35 kilos in three months and then proceeded to put it all back on again straight away afterwards um, because I don't think it's sustainable when you do it that quickly. Um And apart from that, I've always been active, but always been overweight. And I went overseas and started working in a business over there that I'd never done before. That was extremely high stress. Um, And my weight went from being overweight to being extremely obese. Um, And I put on probably 60 kilos over there um, and got to the point where I was unable to look after myself um, and needed to do something very drastic to change it. Um, So I looked into weight loss surgery and in August last year, I did the gastric sleeve operation. Okay, so how old are you now? 
I'm 36. Are you sure? No, 35. <laughs> I'm giving myself a year. I'm 35. <laughs> take, take it back. Trust yeah. me, take it back. <laughs> so you're 35 years of age. Yes. So weight struggles for you have been virtually your entire adult life? Yes. Okay, so we're looking at we're looking at 15 years plus, really. Yep, and no. the rest, yep. Yeah, and the rest. Okay, <laughs> so <clears throat> let's spin this forward now to, well, last year. What prompted you to contact us? Uh, after I had the surgery, uh, there was about two months after the surgery that I was extremely sick um, and I lost a little weight around having the surgery, but then basically plateaued pretty much a month after. Um, and I was sick to the point of I couldn't eat anything and I couldn't do anything. Um, and it was extremely frustrating because that was supposed to be, you know, something to actually kickstart a whole weight loss journey. Um, and it didn't. And so I looked for another option and it was my partner that saw a post, I think Courtney put up on Facebook um, and she suggested that I contact you guys and I did. Cool. And, and we are extremely humble still by that. That is, that is amazing. Courtney, did you want to um, ask Alison a question? Uh, I do. So, Ali, mm-hmm. you've come a long way in 12 months. Yes. What has happened this time to make it stick? So in terms of your why, what is your why? Uh, My why is pretty simple for me. It's just that I want to be the best person I can be for myself. But my why would be that I got to the point where I was unable to look after myself. And at that point, I had to go one way or the other. And my way to go was to change and that's why I needed to get out and get out of my own head and get out of my own way, basically. So get out of your own head, get out of your own way. Can you elaborate on those two? Um, I needed to stop telling myself that I couldn't do anything about it and that I was at the point where I was unable to change where I was and do something, even if it was something small. Now, Courtney, isn't that common? Very. Telling yourself you can't and your actions will make it happen. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's so easy to talk yourself out of doing things, especially things that you know are going to be hard and uncomfortable. I, I, it's just making that decision to, uh, to start. All right. So just circling back there, Ali, you said that you were, you've done a, a challenge in the past where you lost mm-hmm. 35 kilos. Yep. Can you describe what made it unsustainable? Uh the time that I did it, it was a three-month period and I literally went from the gym in the morning to work all day to the gym in the afternoon and my meals were very small and scarce and it wasn't sustainable because of the fact that I didn't have the energy to keep going with it. And what was the exercise routine like? Uh, very grueling. <laughs> Um, so I would spend at least two hours a day in the gym. Two hours a day? Yes. And uh, at that point, how, how long had you exercised for previously in the past before undertaking that challenge? Uh, well, my job's always been um, you know, a fair bit of exercise because I do a lot of walking in my job. Intense exercise? 
uh, intense exercise wise, very little. So would would it be fair to say you were a bit of a rookie when it comes to exercise then? Yeah, absolutely. So we're taking uh, an overweight woman who's inexperienced with exercise and hasn't built up her conditioning and you're thrown into a two hour a day exercise routine. Okay, and on top of that, you are asked to follow, what was it, a meal plan you were given? Okay, a meal plan uh, that no doubt would have been um, probably based around calorie restriction, I would guess? Yes. Okay, so you've got an inexperienced woman who hasn't trained hard before, who's overweight, thrown into a a two-hour-a-day exercise routine and asked to follow a calorie-restricted meal plan, any wonder you can't stick with it. That's that's just asking for trouble. Could I ask how many calories a day you were asked to stay under? Uh, ideally, twelve hundred. Yeah. Okay. the The standard cookie cutter um, prescription for a female, even though the moment a female becomes active and starts to get stronger, that number goes up fast. Yeah. Uh, so any like in the end, I know you can probably you know understand this that you put your trust in the process that you're doing. Uh, but being asked to do some things are pretty hard. And I mean, you know, in that case, you can't really blame yourself for sort of bouncing out because it's unsustainable. Yeah. All right. So prior, you, you've done you've done the 12-week challenge, you've lost it, then it's come back on over a period of time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I've already touched on it, but I want to touch on it again when you said that, you know, getting getting in your head, getting in your own way, in what way were you getting in your own way? Um, I think I just lost, uh, focus on what I was doing and I, yeah, I get in my own way as in, I will talk myself out of making a better decision very easily. The things you say to yourself, like what, it's not going to matter anyway. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I'll just do that cause it's easy. You know, I'll just get it cause it's quick and take the yeah. easy way out. Yeah. Which ends up being the hard way out, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's really really good. So your why has been to you know look after yourself and you know see what the best version of you is going to be. You've now you're now pretty much twelve months into a a pretty remarkable transformation. What have you learned along the way in terms of like you you've you've been doing this now long enough where you I would like to think getting an idea of what it takes to make this work mm-hmm. and what it takes to not make this work. And yep. Courtney and I speak a lot about finding your why. It is a cliche, but it is 100% true. Yes. Um, what advice can you give uh, to anyone in terms of if you haven't found your why, what do you think could be missing? Or what, is, what, is the, what is the ingredient that makes someone's reason for doing this stick in your mind? Um. Oh, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's very personal. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, finding your why is something that is a part of the whole process because of the fact that without it, you don't have that, well, not even motivation, that push even when you're unmotivated to do something. You need that why, you need that reason that you're doing it and kind of personal motivation inside to actually get past the moments that you don't want to do anything at all. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm really glad you said that. So you've, you've used the, the M word, uh, motivation. Mm. Are you motivated all the time? No. 
God, no. <laughs> you wanna, uh, give us some details on the God, no. Oh, well, to be honest, probably four out of six times I would be unmotivated. And you know what? That just makes you like Courtney, like myself, like everyone. Yeah. Would you say, Courtney, that just makes Alison normal? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can relate to that. Uh, yes. Yes. I've spoken several times about motivation and what? about my thoughts on it. Which are what? Sorry, I forgot. Motivation is rubbish. Well, that's a nice way of saying it. I thought it was usually motivation is bullshit. Yeah, well, you know, I like to mix things up. But no, being, being, being unmotivated is is a common issue. But yourself, Alison, have you ever found it where you've used a lack of motivation as a reason not to do anything? Uh, not now so much. But yeah, that would have been something I would do in the past. What do you think changed when it comes to that? Why, why has this stuck? Um, because this time I have enough of a reason behind what I'm doing and I have a little bit more um, of a realistic idea of what happens if I go in the opposite direction. Having been um, there. And I don't want to be in that place and that sort of gives me enough of a push to, even in the times that I don't want to do anything, do something even if it's something small. So the the dislike for the idea of going back to the way you used to be yep. overrides the fact that some things about the process you don't really enjoy. Yes, very much. Funny how that works. Would you agree, Courtney? Yes. <laughs> so you've mentioned before, Ali, about uh, self-doubt. Yes. How have you been able to deal with this over time? What, what has been the sort of key factors that's helped you move forward? Because self-doubt affects everyone literally everyone from your personal experience what have you what have you done or implemented to work through this um i think i I think it's something that with for me i deal with most days um and it's continually telling myself that okay you know i might doubt myself i might doubt my ability to do it i might doubt my ability to make the right choice but at the end of the day i'm learning and I'm always learning and even if I make one right choice in a day, I'm, I'm doing something and I'm pushing myself in some way with each day that I'm doing it. So it's, yeah, I, I doubt myself a lot, but self-doubt wise, like I, I don't know, I, I just have to have one voice that tells me I can't do it and one voice that goes, well, hang on a second, why am I telling myself that I can't do it when I'm doing it? So in the past, that voice that would say that you're doing it wouldn't be there? No. And now it is. Exactly. Like at some point I have to change the voice that I've got that says oh no you can't do it you know uh, you're not going to be any good at it you know people are judging you people are looking at you god you look ridiculous you know at at some point you have to turn around and go well excuse the language but fuck the people that are looking at you at the end of the day I'm doing something I might look ridiculous I might look like I don't know what I'm doing I might just you know I might fail at something but at the end of the day I'm doing something yeah, that, wow. Courtney, um, I'm just going to sit back and, and bask in the glory of that because that was brilliantly said. Um, you want to pick up the slack on this one? Yeah, that was that was really well said. I have to, I have to point out, well... Drop the mic, is that it? Like, <laughs> over? Pretty good. Shut that the mic. Pretty good. 
Well, the next question that I was going to ask is sort of a two-part question, which mm. is talking about what you've learned along the way, Ellie. So mm. I want to ask you what you've learned, one, about transformation in general, and then we'll come back to what you've learned about yourself. But when I talk about what you've learned about transformation in general, you spoke at the start about your journey, about getting here, about your surgery, and then meeting us. Yeah. So along that process what have you learned about transformation uh that it's really fucking hard (laughs) um and that it's a very personal journey and that I need to trust the people that I'm doing it with um and that I need to listen to the people that I'm doing it with even when I don't really want to hear what they're telling me um yeah that's mainly (laughs) that's mainly what I've learned about the transformation side of it, I suppose. Oh, good. And what about what you've learned about yourself? Um, probably that I'm stronger than I think I am. And there is in, in there somewhere, there is a little bit more confidence than I give myself credit for at the start, I suppose. Um, and amongst all the self-doubt, there is actually a little bit of self-confidence that you know, at the end of the day, I'm able to do things that I want to do. And at some point, I'm going to have to realize that it's on me to do them. Well, let's, um, that was a, a, a brilliant answer. And let's start to unpack some of these because I think you've really touched on some key points. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to circle back to the magical T word that you used, which is trust. Now, it is easier said than done, especially with the noise that gets in our own head. Uh, So you said before, you know, trust the people that you work with. Now, obviously you're sitting in a room on a podcast (laughs) with the people you work with, but do try and just get it out there as if we we aren't actually here. What has been the hardest thing about trusting us and trusting this process for you? Um, Probably trusting that you know what you're talking about and that even in the moments that I question my ability to do something that you've asked me to, I need to trust that you know what you're asking of me, you know my limitations or my my ability to do something. And I, well, I think trust is something that is either there or it's not, to be honest. And the reason that I trusted you both at the start was because I felt comfortable and comfort can quite often lead to trusting the people that you're working with. Would that comfort have come from personal connection? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I was very comfortable when I came in and talked to Courtney originally. Um, And yeah, it was a very easy conversation and it was one that I was extremely uncomfortable with at the time because I was, yeah, in the situation that I was in. Um, and very uncomfortable being in any sort of social situation. So to be able to be made felt comfortable from that day one is a big reason that I ended up trusting you both and the process that that we're doing at the moment. So what have you been asked to do that initially you've been hesitant about by us? Um, uh, the biggest, the biggest changes for me, I suppose, like with the whole transformation thing and all of that is the food side of things. So trusting that, okay, I need to completely change what I'm doing, what I'm eating, eating more and, you know, eating 
the certain foods and all of that. So I suppose, yeah, that's one of the things that I questioned at the start was, you know, I'm going from being told originally that I need to cut back on everything to being told, no, 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 eat more of everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would be a big thing. Uh, So would you say that comes from, would it be a fear of food originally or just what the industry portrays, where the industry does like to say exercise more, eat less? Yeah, it's definitely an image thing, like um, an industry image thing or or a life image thing that, yeah, eat, eat less and you lose weight rather than eat more and you lose weight. So now with where you are currently... Uh, 85 kilos down, pretty much half the size you started with. Mm-hmm. How much food would you eat now compared to when we first met? Um, Ish. Probably more than double. More than double. Yeah. So can you can you give us a bit of a breakdown on what your what your sort of eating patterns were like before starting with us? Uh, they were very staggered. Um, well, overseas-wise, um, with the stress of running the business over there, we would eat very rarely, but we would eat badly. So we would eat basically one huge meal in a day a lot of the time. Um, and if we were lucky, we'd eat something, you know, at either end of the day, and that was it. Um, so maybe two meals a day? Yeah. Uh, and two wrong meals a day. Two big wrong meals a day. Okay. And contrast <clears throat> that to what does currently the current version of Allison eat like uh I eat roughly around seven meals a day now um they're a lot smaller obviously but um yeah they're consistent through the day every few hours so we're looking at um a double intake of food from two meals a day to seven now just to be clear you didn't go from two meals a day to seven meals a day straight away did you no uh how did that work for you uh, I just gradually stepped it up to seven. So, you know, uh, I went from four or five when I started up to seven, but those meals um, have just been gradually increasing in size because when I started, I obviously um, with the surgery, I couldn't eat a lot at once. I still can't eat a hell of a lot at once, but um, yeah, it's just been increasing the amount of meals and the size of the meals as I go along. So your body has really sort of called for it yes yeah i think i think that that's something that matt you should probably step in here and also touch on because i think ellie you'll agree that there's sort of um a lot of people have this idea when it comes to weight loss surgery that it is just the answer and so you have weight loss surgery and then it's done yeah um i think what you've been saying is that Am I right in saying that the weight loss surgery in your eyes has probably made things a little bit harder for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that bucks the trend with what (laughs) most people think. Most people will just hear, oh, you had weight loss surgery. That's why you've lost so much weight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think that it's important then, Matt, you'll probably touch on what the process has been for Ellie in terms of getting past that because I think there's a real stigma around weight loss surgery. Yeah, there is. Um, Very, very good point, Courtney. So we will will unpack that now. So I'll start, Alison, with a question. Do you recall what I told you when we first sat down to plan out this journey of yours, what I said to you about your your weight loss surgery? Honestly, no. <laughs> okay, I do, thankfully. What I said to you was that it's actually going to make this process harder. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, even though, yeah, the the sort of the stereotype, if you will, out there is that oh, weight loss surgery. Yep, it's um, it's the magic button. Uh, actually, there are obviously, as you know yourself, side effects that come with it. So when when I first sat down to talk with Alison about actually planning this whole thing out, when and this is also where I think Alison, where you said that it can be uncomfortable having that initial chat with people because you're also in a vulnerable position mm-hmm. with strangers. Yes. And I mean, that is on the awkward scale, that's 10 out of 10, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So again, you know, obviously kudos to you for, for being so honest and upfront well, pretty much all the way through the process. But once I knew about uh, the surgery, rather than think, it's easy to think, oh, this is going to be easy. When in fact, the first thing I thought of was, oh shit, how is she going to be able to eat to sustain the exercise? Because when it comes to weight loss, there is indeed more than one way to skin a cat. So there's multiple ways and multiple techniques you can use with people to help them to lose weight. But there are quite a few, shall we say, side effects or prices to pay with some of them. So I could quite have easily have said to Alison, righto, you've had the surgery. Uh, just eat eat the couple of um, beans and peas you could fit in each day um, that's recommended following the surgery and do some exercise and the weight's going to fall off. However, um, there is there is such a thing as weight loss and there's such a thing as fat loss. So obviously when it comes to the weight loss surgery, anyone that enjoys food, well, that's going to become a challenge afterwards. And then you also factor in that the body needs fuel. So I knew that Alison had to start to get her body moving. So we're looking at, you know, weight training sessions a week, two weight training sessions a week, uh, some intense cardio sessions a week and some walking with Dot the dog. Uh, but the body has to be fueled. So the biggest issue, and I'm sure from my perspective um, as a trainer, was being able to ensure that Alison could gradually improve her performance in the gym without her recovery and that performance and her adaptations to the training being compromised by the fact that she could not get any food in. So here's a woman sitting next to me basically saying, I've just had weight loss surgery. And now I'm saying, well, that surgery you've had, we're now going to try and work to undo it. (laughs) So, So that being said, Ali, how did you feel when... Matt told you that we're going to increase the amount of food that now you're eating. Um, I was a little worried because obviously I'd gone to the opposite extreme of doing the surgery and, you know, being very restricted on what I was actually able to eat afterwards. Um, yeah. And I knew that that was going to make it extremely hard as I went along. Um, because I will want to do more um, and it's not always going to be the case that I am able to do more because of the fact that I couldn't get enough nutrients into my body to be able to do it. And have you felt along the way that you have run into into those walls on occasion where it's like, hey, because you're a competitive girl. Yes. um, Which is, I think, think one of the big reasons why we get along so well because we just don't like to lose. Mm -hmm. So you're a competitive competitive girl. Have you found along the way that you've run into those walls where it's like, you know, I, I know I can do more, but I can't recover or get enough food in time in to do it? Yes, often. They're frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's um, one of our favorite sayings in, in, in our circle as a trainer 
is you need to match someone's exercise to their nutrition, yeah. not the other way around. So we've been working now, you know, to sort of, I guess you'd say, undo um, what the surgery has done. If you could go back in time, and if you can take me with you, if you could go back in time, would you still do it? No. Why? Because I'm fighting against it now. Um, and I think the surgery was the wrong decision. Um, just having having done it. And that's not to say it doesn't work for some people. But um, I think for the majority, um, and definitely for me, uh, it was the wrong decision to make. Because then I want to be active and I want to be doing you know, exercise and what I'm doing now and having this, having had the surgery is the one thing that I'm fighting against um, that I can't change. Now, you you just touched on something that I'll bring up as well in terms of being active, exercising, what you do. What do you do for a living? I work with resources. So that's a very, very physical job. Yes. So then you obviously factor in you've got a physical job and you're also training in the gym. Yes. As you would no doubt have learned through the way now, we need to be strategic with what you're doing to obviously keep you in one piece. Yep. Um, ensure that you can do the work that you love to do mm-hmm. while training to give you the changes you want to make. Yes. Now, on the subject of training and exercise, we haven't actually touched really touched on that at all yet, so we're going to get into it now. I, I do recall quite vividly uh, what your training sessions were like when you first started with us. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you give us a, a bit of an overview from, from your perspective on what your exercise ability was like when you first started versus what it is like now? Uh, okay, when I first started, um, I think, yeah, I was very limited on what I could do do and the length of time that I could do it. Um, I think I'm still a little bit restricted in, you know, when I actually make it to a nice class and I'm not busy. Um, I just, when I first started, I I couldn't get up and down off the ground. I couldn't, you know, I I was doing push-ups on the wall. I was, you know, I was alternating a lot of exercises because of the fact that I was unable to do them. Um, whereas now, you know, I could, I can walk into a class and do the majority of them normally. Um, there's still some that I change for me, um, because I still struggle, you know, up and down off the ground is still, is still definitely a task for me because there's still a lot of weight there, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm much more able to attempt it. I'm much more able to attempt any of the exercises that come up in these classes. I think one of the biggest things that sticks out for me in my memory was when you first started as you said, up and down off the floor was not happening. Not a chance. Uh, no, not happening. Where the, the biggest contrast was one one time where I saw you doing full lunges up and down the gym in conjunction with you know getting up and down off the floor. And that obviously took time to play out. But just to see that process occur uh, is a novelty that never gets old from my perspective as a trainer because those those improvements are earned they don't they don't come through wishful thinking uh, but also if you recall uh, your first your first cardio classes were short yeah definitely uh, so i remember your really early ones you were gone within 10 minutes yeah where you contrast that you know to these days you can last a half an hour quite well obviously you're getting pushed 
pretty hard, but you're getting through all the way and your functional ability uh, has improved in leaps and bounds. Yeah, definitely. So can you give us an overview of what your exercise routine has been like from when you started to where you are now? What's the breakdown been for you in terms of weights, cardio? How has it been approached? Uh, well, it's always been the two weight sessions yep. a week. Um, and ice-wise, well, early on I was doing probably even doing more ice classes, but I was doing less in those classes. Um, so I don't know. I can't even remember how many I did. I had sort of two or three tops a week. Yeah. Um, now, now a lot of my ice is done out of the gym as well. Um, and LAA-wise, I do it every day. What's your job, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so just from a, a trainer's perspective, the logic behind constructing Alison's exercise from the start, well, at the start of her, her journey with us there's a very simple rule when it comes to someone that is overweight or heavily overweight and they're not very conditioned is that I knew walking in and I told Alison this that she wasn't going to last that long during her sessions and that's fine, but she could do more frequent bouts of movement. So Alison, when she first started, was actually doing more exercise than I do as, as someone that's trained for a very, very long time. But as I said, Alison's sessions weren't lasting that long where slowly, and um, I'm sure you would have noticed this, Alison, as you got more advanced, as your functional ability improved and you were getting smaller and stronger and more, more capable, your, the number of your training sessions was actually dropping. Yeah. Because you were able to last longer, which means you could actually get more out of your body, which then the priority changed from let's just get you moving to let's now make sure you're also recovering so those sessions that you are doing are of the best quality possible. Uh, you would have noticed that change along the way? Yeah, definitely. All right, fantastic. Uh, Courtney, anything you want to add so far? No, I think that's great. I think that I think that the other thing just touching on that exercise to really point out was again, just the bravery of, of Ellie to come in to an environment like that in the first place and then to come in to do an intense cardio session and obviously as much as someone can can tell you it doesn't matter if you don't finish it doesn't matter if you can't do all the exercises do what you can as much as someone else can tell you that it's still going to be very confronting to be in that environment it's still going to be off-putting to look at the people around you doing things that you can't do yet so i think that that's just commit it's so commendable to Ellie for sticking to it and pushing through that. And I think it's a really good lesson for all of us where to push through that initial barrier because, you know, in no time at all, Ellie's now keeping up with everyone in that gym. And it's not just that initial barrier, Courtney, it's all the barriers that come along the way because it isn't just a case of you overcome these early obstacles and you're in the clear. As you get better at this, the new obstacles will present themselves. Mm. So, uh, Alison, can you can you touch on any or what you struggle with at the moment with this process? What do you find hard about it, or what what do you find tough to deal with, if anything? Um, I think this this time it's been injuries for me that have been tough to deal with um, because as I've got stronger and more active and also my job has got more active, I've had, you know, injury issues that have come up um, that can be frustrating. 
Um, but I don't really juggle so much anymore with like classes and what we're doing in the gym. Um, it's more the consistency of it all um, and like outside of the gym. But early on, what Courtney said about, you know, not being able to do everything and, you know, feeling that feeling of, uh, yeah, it's all very well for someone to tell you that you don't have to do it all and you don't, you know, you can alternate the exercises, but it is a very confronting feeling to be in that situation and to be in that class with other people that are quite obviously a lot fitter than you. Um, and you don't know anything about them. You don't know what they've been through, what they've come from, what they're doing. Um, and they're all on their own little journey, but it's, it's a self-confidence thing to, to be able to be in that situation and be okay with not being able to do something and not getting in your own head and telling yourself that, oh, you know, they're judging you because you can't do that or they're, you know, they're looking at you strangely because you can't do the same exercise as them sort of, um, I think, yeah, we always tell ourselves that we're being looked at or being watched or, you know, and that's that's our personal thing. But, um, yeah, to be in that situation and to be able to feel comfortable in a class when you're not able to do the, all of the exercises that are being done in that class is, yeah, part of the reason why I was able to keep coming back all the time because it was still comfortable and the, they're all lovely people that are – doing the class with you and you don't feel like you're being watched. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. And it can be tough at the start as well because the pressure that we put on ourselves to, you know, get it right and be perfect at everything. And then here you are basically being told, look, you're not going to last these classes, so be prepared for it. That can be a bit of a bitter pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. But I suppose now as well that you've sort of been working through that, um, I think that's also part of why your self-confidence has grown is because you just stuck with it yeah. and been able to work through these things. So I don't think, and I've said this before, but it's worth repeating, I don't think it's a case of if you tell yourself you can do it, you're just going to do it. I think you have to go through it yeah. and you sort of have to take your lumps, so to speak, yep. uh, and then come out the other side. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Courtney? Absolutely. And I think that that should bring us into... My last question for Ali, which is what are your five top tips for someone just starting their journey? Hmm. You see that segue I just did there? <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? It was, it was quality, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, five top tips. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be five. I just, <laughs> picked, I just picked five. <laughs> um, definitely know the reason that you're doing it um, or your why, as you guys call it. Um, be ready to push hard. Um, and I don't mean push hard as in, you know, um, physically, I mean, push yourself hard. Like it's going to be hard. Um, be very prepared for the fact that there are going to be ups and downs and that you're going to have to ride them out. Um, you know, you're not always going to be motivated. Um, but even without motivation, um, you need to be able to get up and do something. Um, I don't know, believe in what you're doing because I think that the only way that you're actually going to stick with something is if you believe that you're able to do it. Um, and 
probably the biggest thing, trust the people that you're going to be working with and trust the process that you're doing because if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere. Wow, well said. Um, and I think as well, trust is something that we, we do say a lot that's required, but it also goes both ways because in the end, you're betting on us and we're betting on you. Um, yeah. And I think those, well, those tips you gave are tremendous and I obviously couldn't agree anymore. Um, Courtney, anything you want to add to those, uh, those tips from your perspective, seeing no. Alison go through this process? I think that, I think that she's pretty much nailed everything that I would have said. I think, you know, another one I touched on earlier is just be brave, you know, step forward. And I, and something I've told people a lot is that it might sound blunt, but you've really just got to take action. I mean, we can talk ourselves in and out of a lot of things if we wait long enough. And I think that a lot of the success from Ali is that she's just taken action. So. Can I, um, can I just give, give some perspective here and some, some feedback for myself um, from the trainer's perspective? So. Well, you're allowed to do that. It's, it's your podcast. I thought it was your podcast, aren't you the boss? No? Excellent. Okay. Well, anyway, so I have worked very closely with Alison uh, through this whole process. And there's one thing from, from my perspective as a trainer, one thing that Alison has really helped to cement in my head is that when someone is really ready to get it done, as a trainer, you don't actually need to do that much, but keep them going in the right direction. So I tend to find that Part of what, with, with what Alison has done so far, she has been literally the best client I could ever hope to work with, purely from the perspective of, even though she's had her own ups and downs and her own hurdles, it's never been, it's never gone to the stage where there's been any epic disasters or I've had to go above and beyond. It's a case of, here, Alison, I want you to do this and here's why. And then I've let her go and actually implement what's been asked of her, which she's been doing. So I, I tend to find the better the client and the more ready the client is to change, the less work the trainer actually has to do. If the trainer has to spend so much time giving useless bloody pep talks or stupid cuddles to get people just to get moving again, uh, honestly, you got no fucking chance. So Alison, thank you very much for being the best client a trainer could ask to work with. You're an absolute legend. Um, question for you, 12 months pretty much gone behind you now. What do you want from the next 12 months? Uh, to get fitter. <laughs> Elaborate. Um, uh, basically, I think the first 12 months was getting the weight off to become more active. Um, and to be able to do more and to be able to get back to doing a job that I love. Um, the next 12 months is getting to a point where I'm actually more confident in myself and happier with the way I function, the way I move, the way I am able to perform things that I want to do. Um, I want to be more active. I want to be more able to, yeah, do my life generally. <laughs> um, yeah, I love what I do and what I do is very active and I want to be more and more comfortable with what I'm doing and obviously with um, recently 
getting a horse that I'm able to ride, I would like to be riding more and more. And if I can ride more and more, then that's a really positive thing for me because it's something that I've always loved doing. Now, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. So we have, we have said so far uh, on this show that you work with racehorses, yep. but you also have a love for riding horses. Yes. Now, just recently, you got back on uh, a horse for the first time in how long? Probably 15 years. <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. Before Facebook even existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. what was the feeling like? Uh, it was pretty epic. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome feeling just to be on a horse again. And the first day that I hopped on, I literally didn't do very much at all because I felt extremely unbalanced. But it was just nice being actually up there and being able to be up there. It was the biggest thing for me because I haven't felt able to, you know, be at a weight that I was able to sit on a horse. And it's not to say that a horse couldn't have carried me when I was heavier, but I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it yeah that makes sense so what did it do for you mentally getting back on for the first time in 15 years uh (laughs) uh it was a really big confidence boost for me um it was yeah it kind of turned a lot of things around in my head and put me put me on a very different path um and got the person that i work with very excited because now she's planning for me to ride a whole lot more horses (laughs) Which I'm sure you're Which very happy with. Which then means that she doesn't have to ride all of those horses. So yep. that's good. Um, so that's that's outstanding. I think that really also, and Courtney, back me up on this, that really highlights uh, the sort of reason why people would be looking to change their life around isn't just obviously, you know, lose weight, look better, blah, blah, blah. But it has this profound impact away from the gym. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of being able to improve what you do as a person because you know some people do actually question Alison do you enjoy exercise not really <laughs> not really but is it worth it no then no some people do Courtney <laughs> just the you two ladies don't really that's okay is it worth is it worth the shit you go through for times like that Yes, definitely. I enjoy I enjoy the weight side of things. It's the cardio that I don't enjoy all that much. <laughs> how often? How many times have we heard that? That's, that's common. That that uh, that's that sounds about right. So, looking at the next twelve months of getting getting more active, getting improving your ability to to you know ride horses. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up and call it a show. Alison, thank you so much. No worries. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, Courtney and I are preposterously proud of you. So you'll find some more details about Alison's journey so far on the show notes page of this episode at where, Courtney? What's the website? Theweightlosspodcast.com That's right. So um, you'll get more information on what Alison has been doing. And uh, yeah, I think that's a wrap, ladies. Sweet. High five. Fist bump. Thanks, Ali. Ali, thank you so much. We love your face. You're the best. Keep your uh, keep your eyes peeled because Alison's not done yet. There's more coming. I believe we have a photo shoot in a couple of weeks' time. Ooh-hoo. Hashtag no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Ah, uh, but then the the big one will be the second one next year. So Alison, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And bye for now. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.